Welcome to Fully Yours, a podcast about food, the sacred, and ordinary moments of extraordinary belonging. Hey, this is Christy. This is Eva. And this is Chloe. We are three friends who went to graduate school in Boston and have shared a love for food and building community around the table and its intersections with spirituality and faith. And today on the show, we will be stepping back for a minute and just enjoying the time that we have with each other. All three of us are living in three very different parts of the country, from California to Arkansas to the eastern seaboard. Um, we are in very different environments, and our work lives are also very different from one another. So this episode, we're actually going to be talking about some of the things that have inspired us this summer in regards to food and time and what it means to take time to do those things that nourish us. Christy, thanks so much for for introducing our episode a little bit today. So I'm curious, what have the two of you been reading lately? I'll jump in. I recently read a book called Eat to Love by a woman named Jenna Hollenstein or Hollenstein. And I heard about her book um, in an interview she did with a podcast called Food Psych, which is P-S-Y-C-H. And she writes about mindful eating and really through a Buddhist lens. Um, But she's really taking sort of a non-diet approach to eating. And that's kind of a big focus of that podcast. And I think I've mentioned that before in a previous episode. But Mm -hmm. um, really the kernel that I took away the most is that eating – well, eating to love, which is this whole phrase that she's playing around with, is about trusting your own inner wisdom around food. And um, I have a quote here that I just love. Um, and she, she talks about these six paramitas, I think I'm saying that right, which are three, which are six um, kind of Buddhist teachings from the Mahayana tradition of Buddhism. But one of them is the the paramita of curiosity. She says, um, The senses guide us to connect with our innate intelligence and how we shift our allegiance to our internal sensations and away from the external cues that have distracted us is the very basis of generosity. Um, But what what I love about her book is that it is just so... It's full of compassion... Um, She really writes about how so many of the rules that we have been taught about how we should eat and when we should eat and what we should eat um, have really kept us from developing loving relationships with our bodies. Um, And she talks a lot about how for her meditation is this really core practice of how she engages a relationship with food and I also love that she kind of pokes at some of the ways in which mindfulness has become really trendy in our culture and kind of um, capitalized, for, for lack of a better word. But she talks about how, like, 
and there is no right way to do meditation. But when you're committing to a practice of meditation, you're really committing to a practice of being with your body just as it is and being with whatever feelings, whatever experiences are coming to mind. Um, and that there's a lot of power and truth in doing that that we don't often let ourselves do. Um, so I just want to highly recommend the book. It was just a really nourishing thing to read. Um, and I and I tried to, to pr- she has a lot of really practical tips and exercises for kind of cultivating questions around your relationship with your body. And um, she has some mindful eating exercises. And so I, I got to practice a couple of those and, and really learned a lot from doing that. So um, yeah, so just, just want to recommend that and offer her phrase that all bodies are good bodies. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I really loved reading that this summer. I love that. I think uh, a lot of what our fast-paced culture expects expects of us is that we move so fast that eating is to fuel our bodies more than anything else rather than to actually be present and to enjoy what it is that we're eating. Um, I've gotten a lot better these days, but I did stop this morning to get a croissant sandwich from Dunkin' Donuts. And I was eating it on the road because I was traveling between a couple of towns before going to church this morning. And I was like, I just have to eat this because I just need fuel. I just need this thing for my body so that I can go and do the thing that I have to do. And, um, And it just was not fulfilling. It wasn't nourishing in more ways than one. And whenever I eat while driving, it just it's mindless. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm definitely going to check out that book. It sounds incredible. Christy, I totally hear that. And Eva, thanks so much for sharing a little bit about what you're reading. Um, and I do also want to name, um, kind of this practice of, it sounds like what you're saying, Eva, is the author's kind of bringing about this practice, this invitation to practice graciousness with ourselves yes. and um and yeah absolutely ideally we would have time for our meals to sit and I think the encouragement is like how can we how can we try to be intentional about those spaces and and make those spaces um and I also want to name that that we do live in a certain culture and 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 so also, how do we have grace with ourselves when, you know, Christy, I, I <laughs> often, first of all, if I remember to grab something from the kitchen, that's a plus. And then sometimes I eat it while I'm walking to work. Um, and, you know, that's, it definitely is not as um, satisfying as when I sit and eat and like wake up five minutes earlier to do that mm. in my kitchen. Um, and I also want to have gratitude for both of us for trying to feed ourselves in the circumstances that we find ourselves to. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's such a, it's it's nuanced and complex for sure. And it's, it, I think maybe the balance is like, how do we take those extra steps and be intentional about, 
creating these spaces and not just saying, well, these, this is the, this is the environment and also have grace and gratitude with ourselves given that we are in the environment. So it's both and. Yes. Thank you so much for that because I think a phrase that I continually need to repeat to myself, someone told me this during seminary. It might've been one of you two be gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. Ugh, just that phrase, be gentle with yourself is so, so important. And I needed that reminder. So thank you, Chloe. And thank you, Eva, for this, this book too, because this sounds amazing. Yeah, it really is. And, and when I first picked it up, I thought, um, you know, and, and she, she even names it in her introduction, like a lot of people are going to pick this book up with the expectation that it's going to leave them with like some really practical suggestions and some takeaways and um, in some ways like that is a a focus of the book but there's also just a lot of she really gives the reader space to just take a step back and like just notice where you are um, and like notice what you carry with you no matter what you're doing um even if it's beyond your relationship to food and and I just really appreciated that I think we are we are saturated with messages about how we're supposed to live um and sometimes we just need somebody to say like look inward first because there's a lot of wisdom that's already there um and I think particularly as women that's important as well because we're not always taught to value our voices and our experiences just as they are. Um, I think my, my summer reading has kind of reflected my overall summer. Um, I'm, I keep, (laughs) I've noticed this thing lately where I keep thinking that my summer is starting in September because that's, Mm. um, it's just this this transitional time that will be happening for me in life. And so I keep kind of, in some ways, kind of just keep trying to, to power through what's in front of me with sort of this vision of summer beyond in the future, even though it's very much summer here. It's like in the hundreds and I'm loving it. But um, <laughs> my, my summer reading uh, has been pretty sporadic. Uh, which is okay. That's just kind of been my my pattern this summer. And so, uh, kind of this year in general, I've had this stack of books on my my uh, side table, and I'll read like a chapter from one, and then I won't touch it again for months. Um, so I finally got through a couple of fiction books, which felt so good after um, just kind of after all of the more theology and nonfiction books we've been reading. But uh, I did finally pick up another theology based book again and um I've only read a few chapters so far but it's been really I it helped me realize how much I've been missing spiritual reading and I think spiritual reading can definitely be fiction or nonfiction or you know any of that but just uh I've really missed kind of that what how much that grounds me and sort of feeds feeds my own theology my own sense of meaning and how I look at the world 
And so that that's been really a gift for me. So the book that I think I've read maybe two chapters of so far that I want to share with all of you, because that's my summer reading, um, is Out of the House of Bread, uh, Satisfying Your Hunger for God with the Spiritual Disciplines. And it's written by Preston Yancey, who's from Texas originally, and uh, grew up Southern Baptist and actually um, kind of fell in love with with high church spirituality and and became an Anglican priest and uh, Mm. is now back in Texas after spending some time studying in Scotland. And uh, so he goes on this journey of learning how bread making um, is a doorway to all of these different spiritual practices from different traditions within kind of under the, the umbrella of Christian spirituality and Uh, For example, like the Ignatian Examine and and kind of some other very concrete, practical, um, spiritual practices. And then he ties it in with, he has sort of a core bread recipe. It's a little heady, which is really fun. And and it just is helping reconnect me with with my own journey of bread and spirituality, um, which is something I've, I've wanted to kind of sink back into. So I've really enjoyed that so far, and um, I like how he set it up. He's done a chapter for each, each chapter kind of goes into a different skill of bread making to go deeper and deeper into that practice, and then it's coupled with a, um, with a different spiritual practice. So looking forward to kind of digging more into it, but wanted to share it with all of you, um, given just what we've been talking about this season and and kind of how in many ways he picks up rhythms and and how our um, faith traditions and our embodied spiritual practices can sort of mirror and complement and enrich those those rhythms in our daily life mm-hmm. um and then on a totally different note i've also been reading some articles lately and i got so excited have you both heard of um little free food pantries i i saw that i saw that and i've been thinking about putting up one at my church yay so i can't remember where i first came across it but it's basically it's using or it's a very similar idea to the little free libraries that Mm -hmm. um if you've both seen them in your cities uh, it's kind of this movement where people are putting up uh they look like little houses on their front lawns and people bring used books and swap them out. And so it's kind of like these little miniature libraries embedded in neighborhoods and little free, um, little free food pantries, very similar model, kind of putting a, a container or a box on your front lawn and, um, having people fill it up with cans of food or, um, hygiene products or just different things that might kind of help assist someone make ends meet that month. So I was really excited when I first saw it. And then I dug a little more and found criticism too (laughs) online. And it was kind of like, darn, (laughs) that was Mm. such a cool idea. Um, And I'm trying to, to balance it out a bit. So I think the uh, there was a really well-written article on City Lab that kind of calls attention to like, hey, the people who are going to have 
the front yards and the materials to build these boxes and capability to fill up the boxes are typically people maybe who are in um, higher income neighborhoods. And so it's not really addressing food access issues in in a Mm. deep way. Mm. And then it's also, is it like calling attention away from more um, kind of just uh, from efforts to really address the underlying systemic issues Mm. with with food system in general. So I totally hear that. Mm. And I also think that... um, I think in the world we live in right now, kind of these little actions, visible actions of concrete love and like increasing community or building up community and relationships and creating opportunities for people to participate in a very grassroots effort. I think there's something really powerful about that too. So um, again, going back to that both and, you know, Mm. I don't think that this solution is probably going to end hunger um, and may even have some problems like most solutions do. But I think, I think for me, it felt, um, I think every time I see people collect and gather in this way and just do something very simple and concrete, it kind of energizes me and helps me um, feel like there are ways that we can participate in these really huge giant issues. Um, and so I, I will put this in the show notes as well, kind of both articles to give the different sides. But um, there's a, a online magazine that, Eva, I think you introduced it to me with all of your awesome Facebook posts back in the day. But Yes Magazine. Um, oh, I love yes. yes Mag. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a very optimistic magazine. <laughs> and, um, it really is. It, it tells the truth, but in a very solutions-based yeah love their kind of blatant optimism in the face of of really sad realities um and I I think they do kind of say well yeah one solution may not fix it all and it may have its issues but like let's let's keep moving let's let's try things out and let's be creative and Mm -hmm. so they have this article that kind of counters a little bit and um it talks about, it's called Love Little Free Libraries. These people didn't stop at books. And it looks not only at little free food pantries, but it also looks at seed libraries, clothes swaps, um, mm. the Buy Nothing Project, tool library, just all these ways that communities are coming together and pooling their resources. Um, so, Christy, I was really excited when you said that you're considering putting up a little f- free food pantry at your church because I think maybe the more that organizations and community centers and um, faith-based communities put up these either help um, help support neighborhoods who want to put up these resources and supply them and equip them and maybe have limited means to do so, mobilize to do that is really awesome or kind of offering these things at um, mm-hmm. public spaces. Mm. Um, yeah, it's tricky because if you walk up to a box, they kind of talk about just mm. the social implications of that and how going to a library box to get a book doesn't say anything about your social, um, conditions and being able to make ends meet. Whereas it might look very different if you're taking cans out of, out of, um, mm. a food box. So that's, it's some, there's questions around confidentiality and protecting dignity and all of that. Um, right. 
but I think that there's some exciting first steps there. So that's yeah. kind of what's been been energizing me and um, what I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, I I love that, and I I really do love the the little food pantry project as well. I think a lot of it. The, I think the criticisms that we've heard are, are fair, um, especially if it's a residential area. But I think organizations are uniquely mm-hmm. positioned to be able to provide services anyway. And so it might be a really great opportunity. Um, one thing, so I I am now a pastor. I don't know if the <laughs> general podcasting audience knows this, but I've bounced around from food service job to food service job, and now I am a pastor, uh, one month old. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> preach it, and lady. So, uh, yeah, as I'm getting to know the community that I'm a part of now. Um, I'm recognizing that there is a service gap where we are. So I'm situated about 40 minutes outside of <clears throat> two cities. One city is to the east and one city is to the west. And um, right in the middle mm. is where I am. And there are folks that are food insecure. And I know this. Um, the only thing is that this is a beautiful little tiny town it's got a beautiful town square with a fountain and there are festivals on the green and and music every week and like it's very idyllic and it's very uh it's very charming and very sweet but there is an underbelly there is a lot of food insecurity that is much more hidden than any sort of urban poverty might show itself um so as I'm working with people who are calling the church and asking for assistance, it's really, really tough because I know that this is not a systemic change, but they are grateful nonetheless. Opportunity for folks to at least have an extra can of beans or have an extra bag of rice. Like there's something that we can do that really does make a difference. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to explore that opportunity and that, that option with our community because every little bit does does truly help. Mm. And another thing, Chloe, that, that you mentioned about uh, community support systems. I was reading an article, and I don't know where it was, and it might have been in preparation for entering this new community that I'm a part of now, but I remember reading something that said, yes, ask your neighbor for that cup of sugar. And it, it had to do with really discovering who your neighbors are in a very physical way like here in New England we tend to keep to ourselves we don't talk to each other we're lucky if we know one of our neighbors let alone who else lives in our area Um, and so by by being bold and being brave and going to someone's doorstep and saying I'm making a cake for so-and-so and and I realized I don't have enough sugar. Do you have sugar by chance? Like you can build really amazing relationships that way. Um, So I think, I think the little uh, food pantry has a lot of opportunity for that as well. Just recognizing that we are all tied together is really, really important. Hmm. So Um, I love the both and that you've, that you've both mentioned and it, it reminds me of, um, I mentioned, I think in the last resource episode we did on fermentation, the two week high school program that I helped with 
related to supporting young folks who are discerning a call to ministry, whatever that looks like. And um, one of our primary focuses was kind of food access issues and, and food security. And so the, f- the first week, the way we engaged that was um, there's a program, and I think it's based on a USDA program called Cooking Matters, which is really teaching folks who are struggling with food security just some very basic ways to cook healthy meals on a budget. Um, and, and part of that was, was kind of a poverty simulation exercise where the youth were split up into smaller groups and did an exercise on, um, there were different scenarios, you know, your, this is your income and this is your rent and these are your expenses. And when life happens, how do you make ends meet? And, um, and in some ways I, I, I thought I just thought it was really powerful that they went through the the poverty simulation exercise, and I I struggled a bit with the cooking matters class just because I through some of my own like research into food security issues and some of the voices that I've been listening to who have challenged a lot of those traditional ways of responding to food security. Um, yeah, I was just sort of like we're we're going into this with a lot of assumptions that people have the ability to like mm. access cooking materials and um and like I'm really grateful that it happened. And then during the second week when we were in Washington DC, we talked to some of our legislators about about the systemic realities behind food access. Um and it just really solidified for me the importance of mm both and um and I remember when I was working at a church in the Boston area I wanted to start a community garden on their on the property and this woman who um she does food research for a living um just a really amazing mentor and friend to me she said um you know community gardens are really kind of a band-aid solution to a much larger problem and it was really challenging to hear that because I had was sort of just beginning my love of community gardening and really wanting this to be something that intersected with the church and but then she said like and like I think it's important and I think having something visible in the community um, even if it's just a small couple of raised beds um, it starts a conversation, and and then she and I kind of spearheaded this conversation about, okay, how do we talk about SNAP and food stamps and the food access issues that are taking place right here in this neighborhood? And um, so I love I love both the opportunity to do these kind of visible community programs and to begin envisioning this world that we want to create while also recognizing that it's always going to be bigger than any one thing we can do um, and that that's okay. Um, so, yeah, anyway, no, I feel like I'm getting a little preachy, but <laughs> those are just some thoughts that were coming yeah, to mind. Yeah, I think that both and reflection is really important. I I started to do some reading on... Um, on what time at the table looks like and sort of the benefits of time at the table. And I I came away with 
oh no, quality time. Like it doesn't matter if we eat dinner together and we're all on our phones or like we're eating in front of the TV. Like that's not quality time. It must be quality time in order for it to be meaningful. Well, okay, like step back. like give ourselves some grace and some space so this article that I was reading is actually from 2015 so it's it's pretty dated but the the research involved with it is just phenomenal so it's a Washington Post article the most important thing you can do with your kids eat dinner with them and it just goes through some really uh incredible statistics and the opening line is really the catcher um As a family therapist, I often have the impulse to tell families to go home and have dinner rather than spending an hour with me. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) So that was the first line that really caught me. And this this entire article is really amazing. Um, Talks about the benefits of eating together on the brain um, and the benefits of eating together for the body, um, consuming more fruits and vegetables and wholesome meals when you eat together. Uh, It also talks about mood in general, like eating together does really amazing things for our emotions. And then it goes into like, okay, so why? Why is this happening? And it's really all about relationships. And for me, I consider myself to be somewhat of an introvert. um, And I definitely prefer to spend time with people one-on-one or just like small groups. Um, I'm very much a quality time person. And so I really, I really value what it means to have a meal and sit across the table with one or two or three or four people. It's just, it's a really beautiful thing. And I started, I started Googling a bunch of things. Um, I went down a Google rabbit hole and found how there is actually a study about how the time spent on home food preparation, how that is directly correlated to the indicators of healthy eating. And so I'm looking through all this and, you know, I, I am trying to lose weight. I'm trying to become a healthier person. Um, and I'm just like reading and eating all of this up. And I'm just like, you know what? Step back. Like quality time is time that you enjoy. So don't put qualifiers on it. Don't mm-hmm. say, oh, well, you know, I was watching the news while eating. Like, it, okay, you <laughs> just step back. It's okay. Um, so I just... I really enjoyed even the over the course of this episode just sort of like thinking both and and coming back to both and it's okay be gentle with yourself give yourself grace so yeah totally hear that Christy I um I too have a very introverted side and really love like deep meaningful conversation and Sometimes I totally put pressure mm. on any situation where I'm like, oh, it's got to be like <laughs> felt deep and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> so it has been such a um, ongoing learning process for me. Um, I know right now I'm, I'm, Really trying to take it a little easier and learn um, how to to be with others when 
when we're tired and um Mm. yeah sometimes it's like really hard to you know if one person's like got Mm. all the energy and ready to go and the other person just feels exhausted and just needs to recharge and um for me when I'm in that situation Mm -hmm. and we go to dinner (laughs) or we have dinner together I really I kind of struggle inside because um especially if Mm. I'm the one with all the energy (laughs) and um (laughs) You know, I, I, so it's also learning like how, um, yeah, kind of accepting what, what is in the moment. I don't know. It's, I can't really talk about it because I'm still Mm -hmm. very much on the road with it, but, um, I just, I want to, to say that I hear you. One of the things that I'm learning Mm -hmm. too is like, as I'm doing visitations and meeting all of the people in the community and, and recognizing that some people have some very serious health things going on in their lives that like, yeah, I may meet with them and, and take the time to get to know them and put a lot of pressure on that. But really all that matters is that we show up for people. Presence really means mm. we take that mm. pressure off and we realize like, human relationship and connections are really just about being present. That's really all that we need to do and just take off all of the expectations. It's it's a really amazing thing. Yes. Yes. And to show mm. up with whatever we have to bring, even if it's just yeah. our physical body. And I was just, I was connecting that sentiment with, sometimes the pressure I feel like when I'm going to a potluck and like if people know that I love to do home (laughs) cooking I'm like it's got to be good like it's got to be made from scratch and sometimes like when I think back to some of the most meaningful memories from my childhood for example like very little of it has to do with like Mm. the quality of the food that was being shared I mean quality meals are very very memorable and I and they're important to me um but like I was I was talking to my great aunt on the phone the other day who lives in deep East Texas and she and my great grandmother would often host big like domino playing gatherings at their house. Um, and I always remember like the pink wafer cookies, yeah. which I don't even think I like much now, but just this, the, the image of those cookies and a pot of coffee brewing even if it was like just whatever whatever they grabbed off the grocery shelves like not even a thought about like (laughs) if it tasted good (laughs) like that was what mattered and um and building and building community and just laughing and and being together um that's really what what matters to me when I when I think about those things and yeah. So just giving ourselves grace with like even our food preparation, like sometimes it's enjoying a pot of Mm. macaroni and cheese together or whatever. I love that image of the pink wafer cookies that brought up. I haven't thought about this for years, but that always used to be on the little silver trays Mm. at coffee hour after church growing up. (laughs) I would always go get the pink wafer cookies and just remember like, yeah, definitely like the huge um, 
plastic containers of like really bad <laughs> coffee <laughs> and and just like hanging on my parents as they talked for half an hour an hour with people but but that's <laughs> you know I was bored out of my mind and also like that was deeply impressionable of just like they there there was community building at this coffee hour at this church um mm. kind of in the mundane or at least as like mm. an eight-year-old kid like <laughs> listening to the mundane yeah. but um you know and then we would run around and really mm. beautiful happening there so thanks mm. for bringing up the pink wafer <laughs> yeah that's about this conversation is recognizing that we we have similar memories that tie us to our own home communities and yet they're mirror images of like, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's just, it's a really, really cool reality that we live in a very networked, very um, communal understanding of what it means to be present with one another um, so this morning I preached about being scattered and gathered, and I talked about how sometimes distance makes us feel scattered, um, and it's really hard to build community when we are geographically distant or emotionally distant or spiritually distant. And so I talked about how one of God's promises is that we will be gathered, um, we see this gathering every single day. Um, we can see it in family reunions and we can see it in fam, uh, in like friend reconciliations of over broken relationships. We can see it in a lot of different ways. And then of course, in the Christian understanding of being gathered, um, you know, when, when heaven comes to earth, uh, we believe that there will be a, a heavenly gathering, a banquet, a meal, a feast. And so as I'm thinking about this, um, one of the lines in my sermon was, you know, we're all seeking community. We're all seeking to be a part of a community that eats together, sharing family recipes, a community that laughs together while playing board games, a community that cries together in the midst of tragedy, and a community that stares fear in the face and challenges it together. Um, so as we close, I don't know, I, what are your reflections? Like, where have you seen the scattered being gathered? I was just thinking about this year. Um, I feel like for about a uh, you know about 10 years or so I was pretty far away from my family it felt like kind of an own inner scattering I guess um or just a familiar familial scattering um and lots of my cousins they grew up and moved away and all of that but this year I've had the huge um gift of being close to family and I don't know how how long it will last but it's definitely felt like um, we have a, a birthday coming up and we're all planning mm. on getting together for it. And I w that just really struck me today. It was like, wow, this wouldn't have even been an mm. option a year ago. Um, so it's, it's easy, I think, to, to f uh, f kind of forget like how special that is and 
so just kind of recognizing the sacredness in that and um and the true gift of it yeah one thing I thought about and I was sharing this with you two earlier but it's coming up to the one year anniversary of my maternal grandmother's death Mm -hmm. and um both both her and my paternal grandmother um there's just so much around food and meals that I just love and cherish about them and um so naturally with like the anniversary coming up um and my my parents were actually visiting me recently and there's just a lot of reflection about what was happening at this time last year and um and and I've reflected on this a lot but even in the midst of such grief and um her death was really sudden I mean she she had been sick for a while but she was diagnosed with cancer maybe maybe a month before she died um and yeah and it was it was just really it was a really hard it was a really hard death for me and it was one that I feel I felt very close to I don't know if that makes sense but um but anyway but even in the midst of all of that I really felt a connection with my family that I haven't felt in years and it it's not that I and and by my family I guess I mean like my my aunt and uncle and cousins um in particular and have always felt a close connection with them particularly my cousins um but there was just a a depth and a level of humanity that we shared that we don't typically share. I guess that's what I mean by feeling closer is feeling more like we welcomed each other to be raw, to be grieving, to be, um, you know, to share memories, to kind of share in a deep way that may not always be typical for your typical sort of family gathering. Um, so I've just, been, I've just been doing a lot of reflecting on that since then a lot about, how some of the more um, just really deeply human experiences when, you know, when, when people die, when people are born, when people get married or, um, you know, so, so sort of your big milestones in life, um, how they invite, I think, an intimacy that is really important and I think it's easy to overlook um but yeah I've just that was something that I thought about with with the words scattering and gathering as I think in many ways we came to that moment from our various places in life and our own ways of processing what was going on but um in some like deep holy way it really gathered us together um so yeah so I've just been reflecting on that and I think any place where we can just be more who we already are authentically is Mm. a place I want to (laughs) be uh what was your grandmother's name Victoria uh Victoria I called her I called her Amy there's a story there, but um, 
Yeah, she mm-hmm. she was a pastor as well. She was one of the first women to be ordained in the Methodist Church. Um, so yeah, she really blazed a trail for many people mm-hmm. after her. Eva, I just want to honor what you've shared about your grandma and Christy. Thank you for for kind of gathering us um, as we've sort of touched on lots of different things today and. Um, and Eva, if it's all right with you, um, I'm wondering if we can just sort of close our time together and and offer up all that was said here today, just kind of in celebration of of you and your family and the gifts that all of you have shared with the world, um, and really want to name that. And thank you for being you. open and and. Um, about kind of this journey of of grief and uh, we each have our own scatterings and so thank you for reflecting on what's been been meaningful and and challenging in that process Mm, thank you hi i also wondered about i'm just aware of the shootings that have happened in the past Mm. 24 to 36 hours and just wanted to sort of just name those um there's a lot that we could talk about with that but I just want to just mention it Mm -hmm. um and to honor all those who are grieving um those who were killed and just all the ongoing pain and work um needed around that finding where we are right now in this moment in time um recognizing that we're for some of us, we're in the midst of summer and, and that that means a lot of different things in our unique journeys right now. Um, celebrating the ways that we've been meeting others in conversation or inspired by what we've been reading. Um, and also just recognizing that, that every moment has often has just this beautiful joy and delight and for someone else might be um, or for us might be a moment of, of deep tragedy and pain. And so um, recognizing that hopefully in community there's space to hold all of that and that we don't have to hold that all on our own. So thank you, Eva, just calling to mind um, anyone who who is actively grieving right now who has experienced tragedy or pain in the last 36 hours or even you know just thinking about um, the last several years, kind of this history of, of violence that that continues to to persist, and um, and celebrating the small ways that we can can try to counter some of those forces um, as we build relationships with one another. Thank you so much for joining us at the table. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think by leaving a rating on iTunes, or if you have show ideas, comments, or just want to reach us directly, send us an email at fully.yours.podcast at gmail.com. For today's show notes, our blog, and more, be sure to check us out at fullyyourspodcast.com. Huge thanks to Steve Dry and Catalyst of Harvard Epworth United Methodist Church, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, for their generous grant funding of this podcast. Shout out to the talented Joel Adams and Melody Stanford Martin for producing the original song featured in this podcast. 
Also to Melody for our gorgeous logo design and to our dream team for keeping us grounded and inspired. Until next time, we are fully yours. <laughs>